0: Hey, well, good morning. Uh, My name is Mike. I want to welcome you here to Rocky Peak, whether you're here in our uh, larger auditorium or in our uh, Summit venue right now. Uh, Wasn't that exciting to see that? It was just like last night was the first time I'd seen that video. I was just so moved. I had a hard time not crying through the whole thing. Uh, So, hey, I'm sure there's some of you here who uh, probably went to uh, Oklahoma on this trip, either here or over in our live venue. So, uh, if you're here, could you stand up right now so we can just kind of recognize you? Any of you here? There we go. Mm. <laughs> you know, um it was so amazing for, for those of you who are new here. This was something we did in January, uh, but in, in uh, back in December we did what we do every few months. We do something called Initiative for the Poor, where we uh, collect money kind of over and above our normal giving uh, here to go directly to places around the world, locally or whatever that that kind of uh, you know need our help. And so uh, this was uh, this was actually our largest initiative for the poor ever uh, that we we raised uh, in that in December forty six thousand dollars. That went to this project, and so I just want to thank you. I think this is the church we want to be, right? This is the church we want to be, and it's just whether it's, it's locally with all serve, whether it's uh, there in Oklahoma. We've got a trip over in uh, a group over in Liberia right now. I shared it with you last week, but last week we didn't have their names in the program. So if you check out the program today, we have a team of seven in Liberia. They're over there uh, doing a leadership conference. They're visiting some water wells that we uh, drilled uh, last year as a result of our initiative for the poor in Easter last year, and. Uh, around those water wells. Churches have now formed uh, in those communities. Uh, we're doing eyeglass ministry, and so be praying for that team. They're still over there this week. And then wanna get it on your radar, in May we're going to Mexico again. And some of you have done this before, but we'll send larger teams. Uh, one time we're these 200 people on a weekend. This time I think we're shooting for about 100 people, but we're going down to Ensenada. And we partner with a church there uh, that we're helping the, in, in, uh, increasing their influence in the community. So we'll be building houses, uh, uh, you, you saw those. We actually, on May the 4th, uh, we're going to be prefabbing those houses right here on our property. And so if you, you say, I can't go down to Mexico all the way, but I'd love to be involved on May the 4th, bring your family out. It's a great family thing. And, and we're going to be prefabbing that. But on May the 16th and 18th, we're going down to Ensenada uh, for that. I think this is you know, like Thursday through Sunday type thing at uh, Thursday night. And, and we, uh, we're going to be building houses. We're going to be doing outreach in the community. We'll be feeding the, the, the town... Uh, lunch, we're partnering with this church, we're working with kids, we're doing eyeglass ministry, we're sharing the message of Christ, and so it's just a great opportunity. If you've never gone, it's a fantastic experience, Uh, and so you can sign up. This year, we're actually staying at some newer, nicer facilities, Uh, and so that's great. The cost is actually $60 less than last year, and so if you're interested, uh, you got that coming up. And then next month, we'll be doing our water fast again before near Easter for uh, water wells around the world. So we got a lot going on here. And I uh, just want to make you aware of that. Now, other thing is that we've got Easter coming up. And uh, Easter is just five weeks away. And you know, for us here at Rocky Peak, Easter is sort of like the Super Bowl, right? It's, uh, the, 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 this is a time where a lot of people who are far from God, not Christ followers or, or people that once were close with God but have followed away, this is a time where they, uh, they often come back to church. Um, many times our attendance that weekend will uh, double or more, and so we always wanna have room because this is what we're about as the assignment is reaching out, sharing Christ with those who don't know him. So this is a very special opportunity because all these people come to to us. And so we get the chance to share the message of Jesus. So for us, we need to look at that weekend. Not only is it time for us to celebrate Jesus, this is an incredible opportunity for us to share the gospel with, with people. And so it's not just for us, it's for those who don't know. And so this year, uh, it's always a challenge creating enough space in our facilities for all the people that come. This year, it'll be like a challenge on steroids because our worship center is closed down and we're in here in this interim uh, worship center. So just to give you a feel for that, uh our average service at any one of our services uh, on Easter, Saturdays or Sunday, is always bigger than uh, all our capacity right now, as we, you know, think. So uh, here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing five services uh, that weekend. We're going to do two on Saturday night. We're going to be doing... Um, uh, 3 on Sunday morning. So the Sunday morning will be 8 o'clock, uh, 9.45, and 11.30. Now here's what, where I'm going to need your help. Uh, you don't have to make a decision today, but we really need to put, get a missions mindset on this. We really need to have outreach mindset because the reality is most people are going to come that weekend who don't normally come to church, they're going to come at those, that, nine, that 9.45 and that 11.30. So that means we have to like clear space in here, right? So uh, we don't want to clear all of you out because then all we have is all these Dead non-Christians who are, don't know what's going on, uh, but uh, we, but so we, want, we we want to be very strategic. It's like they're like so they're like, yeah, welcome to the Church of Jesus. Oh, you're not in the Church of Jesus. Anyway, uh, so. Uh, so anyway, we're going to be very strategic, but we're going, to be move, we're going to want to move a lot of you who normally attend at 9 and 11 out to Saturday night or, or uh, the Sunday at 8 uh, to create space. So it's kind of a sacrificial mindset for the kingdom. And so I want you just to be thinking and praying about that. We'll have a specific way uh, of doing that that I'll tell you more about in coming weeks. Uh, but just right now, I'm just trying to get our, our, our kind of mental framework, game, game face on uh, for, for this incredible event that we can share the resurrection with those who don't know that Jesus is alive. Amen. All right, so hey, we're gonna go into our time of teaching in just a minute, but uh, it's the time right now to stand up, stretch, meet some people around you, turn your cell phones off. Let's do that. Hey, well, inside your program is a message note sheet. And if you haven't taken that out yet, especially if you're new, you'll definitely want to do that. It's green and white. It'll help you follow along. And so whether you're here uh, right now uh, in our, uh, this large auditorium, we're over in the summer, we're going to go into uh, a type of teaching right now. And so if you guys are ready, I'm going to pray. You ready, ready to go? Woo! All right. Let's go. Uh, you know what? I just absolutely love these warm mornings because you are so awake. Uh-huh. It's great. It's like, this is so cool. It's like teaching on Saturday night. Everyone's here. Everyone's awake. This is awesome. So we're going to have a great time. So let's, uh, let's pray. I'm just going to start praying. Jesus, could you just make it 80 degrees every weekend at 9 o'clock? But then the, the rest of the day, can get cold, but just at 9 o'clock. Uh, so, okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing here in our church and in our lives and the way you're, you're kind, of, uh, kind of raising us up, uh, calling us on, teaching us. It's not just about us. It's about those out there who don't know you. and And it's about us being transformed from the inside out so we're truly like you, experiencing life to the full. And Lord, today, as we continue this journey through the gospel of Mark, we just pray that you'd meet us as we talk about spiritual leadership, what to look for, the kind of people you call us to be, the impact you want us to have. We pray that, Lord, for the sake of the world, that we would listen well. We pray that we would be a people that are open to the leading of your spirit this morning. You'd speak to us. We would hear and respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, today we're, uh, we're continuing on the series that we've been in now since the start of the year called Jesus the Crucified King. And uh, for those who are brand new, this is actually the third in a trilogy of series uh, on the life of Jesus that we've been in for over a year. And uh, we're, we're basing our study on the Gospel of Mark. So Mark was one of the uh, early leaders in the movement of Jesus, an amazing guy, close friend of the apostle Peter. And so he, he writes this account of the life and teaching of Jesus based on uh, Peter's firsthand experiences. And so uh, in this last series we've watched as Jesus has come into Jerusalem, it's the last week of his life, last time he's going to come, by Friday, he's coming in on Sunday, by Friday he's going to be uh, executed, uh, uh, Friday during the day, Uh, but uh, throughout this week uh, he's beginning to reveal himself, who he is, his true identity as the, the great king of Israel, the Messiah, in some new and provocative ways. And uh, this is leading into increasing conflict with the spiritual, religious, political leaders of the day who see him as a a great threat to their authority. And so we've watched the last five or six weeks here at Rocky Peak is is that every day during this week, they're sending these kind of uh, team, almost like spiritual SWAT teams uh, to Jesus, different groups of religious leaders that are coming and asking him really tough questions. Uh, We've pictured it like a hostile press conference uh, where they're asking a candidate, very Difficult questions, and their whole goal is either to discredit him with the crowd because he's increasingly unpopular, uh, or to get him to say something that will allow them to bring him up on charges with the Roman government, which is what they're going to do at the end of the week. They're going to they're accuse him of, of treason, of high treason uh, against the king. Uh, and, and so uh, we've watched as Jesus has answered these questions. Last week we watched as Jesus went on the offensive for the first time and began throwing questions of his own out. For example, uh, like, hey, "Hey, you know, the Messiah. If the Messiah is really..." Uh, the, the son of David, then why is David called my Lord? And kind of reframing this whole idea of Messiah. Well, today, Jesus is going to go on kind of full frontal attack. If, if this was a military, this would just be all troops ahead uh, charging up the hill. Uh, we're going to take the citadel. And so this is the last time we're going to see Jesus interacting with the religious leaders apart from his trial. So he's been uh, dealing with these leaders for the last three years. Uh, he's been patient. He's showed them the way. He's given them signs. He's given them miracles. He's given te- they're just not open. And so today he's going to call him out. Uh, it's going to be uh, amazing. Today in the passage that we're going to look at in the gospel of Mark, it's only three verses. But this passage, this same event is also uh, documented by Matthew and Luke in their gospel. In Matthew's gospel, this same exact event, instead of three verses, is 36 verses. And if you were to read that, you'd get the full force, the impact of, of how, uh, how strong Jesus is being, how confrontive he's being. Uh, in Matthew's account, uh, six times Jesus looks at these leaders and he calls these as you hypocrites, right? Uh, which doesn't always play well. Uh, uh, five times he says, you are blind guides. Uh, you don't know where you're going and you're trying to lead the nation. Uh, twice he calls them snakes and vipers. Uh, So, he is really coming on strong, and so uh, he's going to be calling them out for their hypocrisy, for their greed, for their pride, for their egos. And in in the processes for us, though, uh, we're going to learn a lot about uh, spiritual leadership because the reality today is that most of us in this room uh, either have been or currently or will soon be in some role of leadership. And you may not think of it that way, but probably most of us here are either maybe you're a husband who's been called to lead your wife well. You're a parent who's called to lead your uh, your children well. Uh, You are an aunt or an uncle that have influence on your, your nieces and nephews. You're a grandparent that has influence on the next generation. Uh, maybe you're in the marketplace. You lead a team. You lead a company. Uh, you lead a department. You lead a job site. Uh, you're, uh, uh, you're in ministry. You lead a life group. You lead a, uh, a kids ministry team. You lead a first impressions team. Uh, you're in the community. You lead a softball team, a little league team, a PTA, uh, you know, you're in Qantas or whatever. So most of us in this room uh, either currently uh, or, or, uh, or in the past or in the future, are going to be in some level of leadership. And so today, Jesus is going to address this issue of what's the purpose of leadership? Uh, what, what should we, uh, when we step into a role of leadership, what should be our goal? What's our, our calling? Uh, and secondly, then, when we're looking in our lives for someone to follow, especially in the area of spiritual leadership, where we have a choice, you may not have a choice on the job always or in the community always, but, but in terms of spiritual leadership, you often have a choice. You can decide what church you go to. You can decide which, uh, which speakers you podcast. You can decide uh, which, uh, you know, which, which life group you join. You can, we have uh, control over this. And so not only what kind of leaders are we called to be, but what should we look for in the leaders that we choose to follow? Because what Jesus is going to say today is that this is an inc- one of the most important decisions of our life, who We follow. Because uh, if you follow the wrong people, you're gonna get burned. And uh, if you follow the wrong people, you're gonna get off track. And worst of all, if you follow the wrong people, you become like the people you follow. It's the greatest danger of all. And so uh, so today we're gonna be jumping in there in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 12. There's a section on your note sheet called Jesus the Offensive. And so uh, let's go ahead and turn there to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Whether you have your Bibles, your apps, uh, your uh, iPads, what have you got? Let's go to uh, chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse uh, 43. And just again, like I said, uh, or like, yeah, I mean, uh, no, no, verse 41. No, no. uh, Verse 39, right? Yeah. Wow. Hope this goes well. It's the first time I've seen it. Uh, Actually, verse 38. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it, we'll start at 37B. Uh, well, let's, let's uh, see how this goes. <laughs> All right. Uh, 37B, so, so uh, it says a large crowd listened to him with delight. So remember this, the scene, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem every morning to this uh, huge temple complex, 35 acres, uh, huge covered colonnades there. And he would, he would teach there. And then uh, at the evening, he would go out with his men to Bethany, two miles outside of town, and, and sleep there at uh, some place with some friends. So he's back in the temple. Uh, he was just teaching. It says the large crowd listened to him with delight. They're loving him. And as he taught, you know, Jesus is to call out these spiritual leaders of the day. And remember, in, in Matthew's account, much longer, much more intense, but Mark gives us the cliff notes. He says, uh, watch out for the teachers of the law. Now, I want you to circle or underline those words, watch out. As we're going to come back to this. Minute, and say, hey, be on guard. Be smart. Don't assume your spiritual leaders have your best interests in mind. Uh, watch out. He says, watch out for the teachers of the law. Now, in Matthew's account, uh, Jesus expands this to not only teachers of the law, but the Pharisees that we've seen many times. Kind of this group that's very kind of hyper-religious, uh, added a lot of man-made rules to God's word and are always upset with Jesus because he's not following the rules. And so he says, watch out for teachers of the law the Pharise- and the Pharisees. He says, they love to walk around in flowing robes. So in that, in that day, uh, these, these rabbis, these teachers of the law, uh, they, they, they would want to make sure you knew who they were. And so they, they would dress in a certain way. They'd wear these flowing robes. Uh, they were really into their place, uh, their position, their status, uh, their titles, uh, where they would sit. Uh, where they, It was a very status-oriented uh, culture. Like when you went to a banquet, uh, it was very important where you sat. Uh, that, that the closer you sat to the host of the banquet, the higher the place of honor. That's why Peter and John, remember, said, uh, 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 or, or James and John had said to Jesus, can we, When you come in your kingdom, can you sit at your right and your left? The closer to the host, the place of uh, power. When, when in the synagogues in those days, uh, over in, in, in uh, January, I was back in Israel again, and then I got to go to a synagogue I'd never gone to before, a early, very early uh, synagogue, uh, and uh, the ruins, you know, the ruins of a synagogue. And uh, the way the synagogues were were built was that um, most people, the average common person, would sit on the floor in the middle of the synagogue. Uh, And then around the edges of the synagogue were seats, like stone seats. And then up at the front, uh, on the platform, there were stone uh, chairs kind of facing out. Some of you may have grown up in churches like this, or if you go to the churches in the south still, or some kind of very traditional, see this, where they'll have like maybe the pastor, or all the pastors, or some of the elders will sit on the stage facing out towards the congregation. They're places of honor. They're, they're the kind of the VIP. So the normal people would sit in the middle. Uh, the VIPs sit around the edges, and what Jesus is going to say, they were really into this stuff. They're really into what you call them. Uh, How do you address them? We're we're told that uh, from ancient history that when rabbis would pass through the street, that people were required to stand up to, to, to greet them. Uh, unless you were like a a blue collar worker and you were working on a project at the time. You didn't have to stop what you were doing, but otherwise you stand up. And so what you call them, what you say to them, how you bow to them, uh, the deference, where they sit, uh, it's all really important. And this is big stuff to them. They're really into their, their image. They're really into their place and they're really into their authority. And so Jesus says, he says, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplace. You know, rabbi, father, uh, you know, these kind of names. Uh, very, very into their titles. Uh, and, and he says, uh, and they have the most important seats in the synagogues, and they have the places of honor at banquets. Uh, he, says, but, he says, but here's what. He says, here's the reality. The reality is on the inside, they're rotten. In fact, in Matthew 23, it says, you know, on the outside, you look beautiful, but in, like, like a tomb, like a tombstone, you look amazing. He said, but inside, you're full of dead man's bones. And so he said, "The problem is, is they devour widows' houses. So uh, notice they use their place of uh, leadership to uh, to kind of uh, elicit, to profit uh, financially illicitly. One example would be to take advantage of widows. We'll talk more about that later." And then it says, they go on, it says, and for a show, they make lengthy prayers. And so they, they love to pray in a very public way, a very long way, but they're not really talking to God. They're really uh, just kind of trying to create an image of, of how spiritual they are so that people will give them more power so that they can use that power for their own purposes. And so Jesus says, uh, such men will be punished most severely. In other words, they're going to get theirs. Uh, so uh, so Jesus uh, in, in Matthew and in Luke, much longer, again, 36 verses. We'll, we'll look at a couple of those passages later on. you will get a feel for that. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but today, Jesus is going to lay this out, uh, kind of go on the offensive. And in the process that he's going to lay out for us, uh, some principles about uh, leadership, what, what the call to leadership is in our life when we step into leadership, whatever our role of leadership, and then what we should look for in the people that we follow. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start today with a couple uh, of couple big picture principles about leadership, uh, about this kind of purpose, what to look for. We're going to come back and ask two questions for you to apply it to your life, and then end up with three warning signs of what to watch for. And so uh, there in your note sheet's a section called the call to leadership, uh, the purpose, and the pitfalls. And so uh, number one, the first thing that jumps out that Jesus wants us to understand about leadership is that the call to leadership is a call to love. Now this may strike you as a little strange, uh, just hang with me in here, but the, often when we think of leadership, like if I were to call you up this afternoon and, and say, hey, we've got this role of leadership in the church, I think you'd be perfect for it. Uh, you know, would you be willing to pray about that and consider? Typically when we're uh, either called or invited or put in a place of leadership, the first thing that we think about is ourselves. It's just natural. You know, it's like first we think like, well, what's involved? We, we th- ask questions like, could I do it? Would I be successful? Uh, it's a little scary. I, I don't want to do something I'm going to fail at. Uh, we, we think in terms of, well, what's in it for me? And we may not spell it out, but like, what's the perks of this? You know, what's, you know, it's just like, what, you know, what, what am I going to get out of this? And then uh, we, we think in terms of uh, what it's going to cost me. Like, well, well, do I have the time? Do I have the energy? How much, t- how, you know, is it? And so typically when we think of leadership, we tend to be very um, kind, of, uh, kind of narcissistic, you know, we tend to look and say like, hey, what's in it for me? What's it going to cost me? Can I succeed, right? But when you come to the teaching of Jesus, what he says is that when you're called to leadership, it's not primarily about you. It's about the people that you're going to be leading. And so, so it, that, that when God calls us to a place to lead, it's not really about us primarily, it's about the people that we're going to be leading. So the job of a leader is to create a, a culture, uh, to create a climate, to create environments, to create systems and structures and cast vision in such a way that the people under his or her leadership thrive. And, and they can achieve and become the people they're meant to be. That, that's the job of leadership. That's the calling. And so twice in, the, in our previous series, uh, in the second of the trilogy here uh, on the gospel of Mark, uh, twice in that, that series was called Jesus, the call to follow. You remember this came up. Um, if you're here, remember that, that in that series, Jesus is traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, this last, this last uh, leg of his life. And, uh, and, and of course the disciples, they think he's going to Jerusalem to unleash his power uh, on Rome and, and release his kingdom. And so the kingdom of God's coming, there's gonna be this big war, they're gonna be on his side and he's gonna win. And so uh, a new government's coming to Israel, they're gonna be part of it. They'll be part of his cabinet members. Uh, and so they're arguing over which of them is the greatest. Do you remember that? Like uh, I know we're all really cool, um, but which of us would be the coolest? you know, the 12. Hey, well, I don't think Judas is. I know, but whatever. Uh, You know, so, so, hey, we're all great, but which of us is the greatest? Like, when we come into this kingdom and we're ruling with Jesus, who gets to sit at his right hand and his left hand? Uh, uh, Which of us uh, gets the place of, of power? Which gets the corner office? And so, Jesus pulls them aside both times, and they have a kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting where uh, he says, let's, let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about my kingdom. Let's talk about how's right because the way we do things in my movement are going to be very different than what you've seen modeled over your life. And one of those passages is there in your note sheet, Mark chapter 10. I'm just going to use this as an example. He says... You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles. So remember, the world is Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are people who don't know God. People are pagan or secular. They're they're they're, they're separated from the life of God. They, they don't know what's going on. They don't they don't know what what's what up. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, uh, they lord it over. Um, they, they lord it over them. And in other words, they, when they rise to a position of power, they like to throw their weight around, they like to boss people around, and they like to use their position of power to, for their own purposes. Now, have you ever seen this before? <laughs> uh, tomorrow morning, most likely, right? Like, if you've ever worked in an organization where the leadership of the organization is truly about the good of the people. It's, it's all about accomplishing the mission and the goal. How can we work together? They don't care who gets the credit. Uh, they, they're truly a servant of the people. If you, if you work in an organization like that, you are truly blessed. Amen. Because the reality, it's not the way the world works, is it? That typically at your job or whatever, when someone rises to a place of leadership, they begin to use that to stroke their own ego to throw their weight around and to, to feather their own nest in one way or another. Often they want to make sure that they get the credit. Anything goes right, they get the credit. If, uh, if anything goes wrong, they want to make sure they don't get the blame because their number one goal is to get a promotion or get a raise. And so uh, this is, Jesus says, this is just the way the world works. He says, this is the way uh, culture, secular pagan culture works. He says, but not so with you. Or in my kingdom, and my movement, he says, we're going to do things differently. He said, instead, whoever wants to, be true, uh, to become great among you. And notice he doesn't say it's bad to be great. He says, he says, I want you to be great. You're called to be great. I want you to be great. But he says, the path to true greatness, um, he says, you want to be truly great, uh, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. So the path to greatness leads to the door of service. And we talked this this time. And so when you're called to a place of leadership, whether it's in a family whether it's in the community, whether it's in a ministry, whether it's uh, 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 the marketplace, that the reason we're there is to create an environment where others can thrive and achieve. And so we, we do that by serving. And so here's what I want you to catch is that whenever you step into a place of leadership, whether it's a, you get married as a husband, uh, you're, you're a parent, uh, you're in the community, whatever whenever you step into a place of leadership, the first question is, why has God put me here and how do I create an environment where people can thrive? You see? And so uh, that's the first thing, that the call to leadership is a call to love. Uh, Secondly, the second thing that Jesus wants us to understand is that the call to leadership always leads to temptation. That the moment you step into leadership... I don't care whether it's at a family or the marketplace or the community, that there's always a temptation. And that temptation is to use your position of leadership uh, to further your own purposes rather than to serve those that you're called to lead. It just goes with the territory. And you see it all the time. It, It doesn't really matter. Like, for example, let me give you some examples. Uh, you see this in, in uh, like in marriages sometimes. Like you'll have uh, a couple of Christians and they're dating, and uh, during their dating days, you know, you'll see the guy is just bending over backwards to to love and serve the the girl he's dating. You know, you know how it is when you fall in love, you go crazy, and you do you do things that you do things you would never normally do. You're just under the influence, and you shouldn't really be held accountable. And that's why we marry one another because we think that they'll always think that we're awesome. And so um, anyway. Uh, so you, you see this happen, right? And then this, this guy who's been you know washing her car, volunteering, and could I fill it up with gas and opening the door and anything else you need, and, and all of a sudden he gets married and he's like, submit, woman. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so you know that passage, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five is very clear. It says that, that uh, as husbands, as followers of Jesus, if we're a husband, uh, which means we're married to a wife. Uh, anyway, that we're husbands, uh, that we are called to, uh, to love our wives as Jesus loved the church. And then Paul says it in the way Jesus loved it, he laid down his life sacrificially so that she could become everything that she was destined to be, that she might, by the washing of the word, she might have, so, so we're to, we're to uh, as husbands, we're to love our wives, and so uh, in that context, uh, the Bible says that, that uh, in the context, husbands are called to a leadership role, right? It says, uh, we're, we're to, to lead our wives as Christ uh, led the church, and it says, uh, wives, I know many, for many of you wives, it's your favorite verse in the Bible, uh, <laughs> wives what? Submit. Yes, yeah, submit to your husband. A lot of you go, I'm not saying that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, uh, like a, you know, my guess is for most of you wives, that's not your favorite verse or over, over the, you know, the cosmetics and in the morning, you know, the mirror. It's like, submit like, oh, good, another day. Uh, that, and so, uh, so, so what happens, right, is that what Jesus defines for us in, math, in Ephesians 5 is this leadership of love. It's much like a marriage is designed to be like a dance, Right, so in a dance, someone leads, someone follows. You can't have two leaders on the dance floor. And so, so Jesus said, okay, this, this, this incredible unity, this love relationship of oneness, where two become one, we need someone to lead, we need someone to follow, and so wives, you need to respect that place of leadership. Husbands, you need to, 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 uh, to lead your wife well, but it's a leadership of what? Love. love. It's not a leadership of I get the big piece because I'm the head of the family. It's not a, hey, out of that chair, that's my chair. It's not like, hey, I've been working all day, I get the remote. (laughs) And so you see what I'm saying is that often what happens is that we step into a leadership role and all of a sudden it becomes about us. We're meant as husbands, we're called to love our wives, lay down our lives for our wives, and create an environment where our wives can thrive and become everything they're meant to be. That's the leadership Jesus calls us to, right? And so how quickly we will turn that sometimes. Hey, submit, I, I'm, I'm in charge here, right? And we just kind of miss the whole message that Jesus is giving, uh, you see this with parents sometimes. You know, Ephesians six says that that there's a leadership structure in the home, and, and wives are to respect that leadership uh, of their husbands. It says kids are supposed to honor and obey their parents. And so often, as parents, how many times have we abused that role? And we'll come up that rule with rules and guidelines that are really not about the kids' best interests at all. They're just about my peace and quiet or what I want. And so we will abuse. We'll say, "Hey, uh, the Bible says obey your parents." In fact, if you do, God will bless you. So, knock it off. So, we, we kind of create these rules, uh, and, and they're often arbitrary. Our, consi- our, our discipline's inconsistent. We, we, uh, we, we change our schedules to make what's comfortable for us. We're not really seeking their best interest and to lead them well. Uh, we're just manipulating. You see this in the marketplace all the time. We've already talked about it. Someone moves into a new role of leadership on the job, in the military, in politics, and all of a sudden, it becomes about them. Right? And so, so this happens all the time. And so here's what Jesus wants us to understand is that whenever we step into a role of leadership, there is always a temptation to make the leadership about us instead of about the people that we lead. And here's what I want you to catch. What Jesus wants us to catch is this is true in spiritual circles too. See, often we assume we step into a spirit, we step into a, a spiritual realm, we step into the Church of Jesus, we step into a parachurch organization, we step into a rescue mission, we step into um, a, a Christian school, we step into an elder board, we step into a spiritual organization. Often, as Christians, we assume that our leaders will we have our best interests in mind and be truly seeking God, and it's not about them, we assume this because why else would they be in leadership? And what happens is we get burned when we assume this. And this is why Jesus says watch out, be alert, be discerning. And so basically what he says is that, hey, there's certain things, when you see these kinds of things happening, they should be like warning lights on the dashboard of your life. That you need to pull the car over. And you know how a warning light is? It, it doesn't always mean there's something wrong. Sometimes it's just a malfunctioning warning light. But he says you should always like pull the car over and pull up the, lit, the, pull up the hood and pretend you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> like she's at least look under the hood and say, hey, is there an issue here or take the car in? And so, um, and so this is what was happening with the religious leaders of the day is that, that they were leading the nation uh, and Jesus says, hey, watch out, but they weren't in it for the, they it for the people, they weren't for themselves. And so you, you need to watch out for this because catch this again, I want you it's really clear. If you follow a blind guide, you end up lost or in a ditch. Amen. If you follow a viper. They may be very deceptive and come off, spin a great image, but when you least expect it, they're going to bite you and, it's going to, and you're going to die. And if you follow a hypocrite, the greatest danger of all is that you will become like them, right? And so, so Jesus said, hey, hey, wake up here, uh, pay attention, be discerning, uh, be, paid, be careful who you follow because we, we become like the people that we follow. Now this leads to a couple questions. Those are the principles. On the one hand, um, leadership is about those we serve, and, and so whenever we step into a role leadership, it's about them. The secondly uh, is that when you choose to follow someone, especially in spiritual leadership I'm talking about, when you we have a choice, uh, choose carefully. And so it leads to two questions, and the first question goes like this. It's on your note sheet. They're called spiritual leadership. Two important questions. The first question is, are you leading well? Now, like I said, most of us in this room are in some position of leadership. Whether it's husband, parents, aunts and uncles, grandparents, uh, you run a team at work, you own your own business, uh, you you lead your your foreman uh, on a, on a job site, you're a teacher in a classroom, uh, you serve in a ministry, you have a leadership role in the ministry, or you're serving in the community in some way, that that most of us here either currently have, have had, or will have very soon a role of leadership. And the question is, are you leading well? And this is not an easy question to answer, because the reality is that we tend to lead the way we've been led. And so when it comes to leadership, more often than not, we, we might, like how many of you in your life said when you were growing up, I am never going to be like my mother? <laughs> like how many of you said, when, when I get married, I will never treat my wife like my dad treated my mom? Yep. And then all of a sudden, we grow up and we start acting like our parents. And you're like, you're just, you're shocked, right? I can't believe I just said that. It's like I'm my mother, you know, I'm my father or whatever. That we tend to become like uh, the leaders we, we follow. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Lynn and, I, Lynn and I were on vacation for a week and, uh, and we were both sick, you know. So, uh, so we, you know, we were streaming, you know, Netflix and stuff like that. And uh, so the last few months, we've been watching, like, some British TV shows. And, you know, they're really slow. If you've never, if you've never watched them, like, they take an hour and a half to solve something in America we'd, 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 we'd really solve it in 30 minutes. Uh, but, um, and it'd be a lot more action uh, in there, too. But uh, anyway, so, uh, so anyway, uh, a couple years ago, uh, Lynn had tried to get me to watch an episode of Downton Abbey. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know some fans. Yeah, right. And uh, I'm telling you, the first time I watched it, I thought, this is so slow, I'm gonna kill myself, (laughs) right? It's kind of like, hey, can we just change to Discovery Channel and maybe watch a glacier melt? (laughs) Just get some more energy back in the room, right? Uh, but But we've been watching, we've been watching uh, we've been watching these British shows, so I'm kind of got my internal clock. We re- watch, so I turn on TV. I start, start moving slowly, and uh, and so and we're both sick, you know. And so now you're really moving slowly. And what else are you gonna do? And so we start watching Downton Abbey, and and so some, but it was just a great uh, illustration of this. Uh, for those of you who have seen the show, you know, it's just this uh, kind of a huge uh, British estate where, that's you know run by the lords and the ladies, and you have all the the cooks and the butlers and everyone serving them. And see so all those storylines of, of of nothing that happen. And, uh, in this, this house. So, um, uh, no. and by the way, by the way, I've come to actually like this show because we, we we've now watched all three seasons. We were so sick. But, uh, anyway, uh, uh, but anyway, now I'm like, I'm really like, oh, I what's, wonder what's gonna happen to the butler. You know, like, well, like, what did you do with Mike Earley? We lost him. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, in this show, if you've seen it, uh, there, there's just like early on, there's this cook there. And, and her, I can't remember what her name is, some of you will know her name, but she's the, the kitchen cook, and, and she has this brand new recruit that's her assistant, and knows nothing about anything, you know, in the kitchen, and so she's, she's young, she's vulnerable, I don't know, 16 maybe, her name's Daisy, and as you're watching this show, your heart goes out to this young girl, because this cook is so mean, and so harsh, and so demanding, and so impatient, and you just want to reach out and put your arms around Daisy. It's, it's okay, you know, and God loves you, Daisy, and you know, whatever. And so uh, anyway, uh, but of course you can't. And anyway, so uh, anyway, and so so as the seasons progress, I don't know, somewhere in season two or three or something, I don't know, uh, they all blur. But uh, so, somewhere in there, uh, Daisy is now advanced, she's grown, she's learned the trade, and now they're going to add a third person to their cook staff, and it's going to be Daisy's assistant, right? And so you're wondering, how is this going to go? Like, how is Daisy going to uh, to treat this new recruit, right, who's very uh, very young, very innocent, uh, very pretty as well? And so uh, because of some other things going on, some jealousy and so on, uh, you're just you're pulling for this young girl, and you're thinking, if anyone understands what it's like to be young and new and vulnerable, and not, it's Daisy, right? So you're just hoping that she is going to really Show love and compassion and patience, this new recruit. And if you've seen the show, you know it's exactly the opposite. That now she rises to place of power, she's in position now, so she's bossing around. She's harsh. She's impatient. You want to scream at the TV, Daisy? You're following the way of the Gentiles. <laughs> Like follow the way of Jesus. You know? uh, so, but this is the way it is, isn't it? Is that we tend to lead the way that we've been led. And so as I ask this question, it's not easy to answer. Like most of us don't think like, oh yeah, I'd lead like a pagan. Like we think, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I lead like Jesus. But think about it. And so the question is, are you leading well? Husbands, are you loving your wives? Does your wife feel safe around you? Does your wife look to you as a place of comfort and encouragement? Can she find strength in your arms? Right. Do you listen to her? Do you pray for her? Are you praying for God's vision for her life and how you can come alongside God and help her to become everything she's meant to be? Um, parents, um, are you loving your kids well? And, and let me be clear in this. I, I, I'm not saying, uh, are you making them the center of the universe? I think one of the greatest mistakes of our era in terms of parenting is we make our kids the center of the universe. And it's raising this entitled generation that, that's going out in the workforce and it's like, hey, you're so lucky to have me. You know, uh, it's like, are you serious? Um, <laughs> uh, right, and so, um, like one of the best things your kids can know is it hey, we love you, but I love your mom more. Amen. One of the best things for your kids to know is that, if you're a wife, is it and hey, I love you to death, but I love your dad more. Because he's going to be here a long time. You're leaving pretty soon. <laughs> right? You're a short timer here. <laughs> <laughs> We're in this for life, but seriously. Uh, so, so, but within the context of, of that, not making this you, but do you love your, your kids well? Like, when you make rules, when you discipline them, are the rules for their best interest or for your ease? Are you consistent? You know, you know many parents, they, they are so concerned that their, their, chi- their children thrive, whether it's, hey, on the little league field, that they're awesome, or whether academically, or they get in the right college, or, or that spiritually, uh, they, they're really thriving. But the reality is, the reason the parents care so much is not about the kids, but because they're living their life through their kids and they're more concerned how their kids reflect on them as parents than about their kids, right? So are, are you listening well to your kids? Are you discovering their unique personality? Are you praying for God to, to show you their vision as your number one priority in terms of your kids, helping them to grow up to love Jesus and pursue him well? Are you loving your kids? Uh, if you're in the marketplace, you, you run a business, you lead a team at work. Uh, are you using your people? Are you developing your people? Are you helping them become everything? Do they know that you truly care about them as people? Or are they just cogs in your machine? Something to, to feather your uh, resume. Something to get you promoted. Are you, are you with me in this? So as followers, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, before you try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, make sure you get the log out of your own first. So we're going to be talking here in a minute about leaders, what to look for in leaders and who to follow. But before we look at who should we follow, we need to ask the question first, who should we be? Mm -hmm. And so, so are we leading well? Now, the second question is that how do you decide who to follow? Now I'm talking here specifically about spiritual leadership, often in the marketplace or what. You don't have the opportunity of like, you know, this boss is kind of lame. He's not really seeking our best. Can I just get a new boss? Just you know, switch him out. I just, yeah, great. <laughs> HR, just move the boss. Uh, so, you know, but in, in the spiritual realm, we have a choice, right? We have a choice of what church we go to. We have a choice of what life group we go to. We have a church of what ministry teams we lead on. We have a, a, a we have a church. Of, we have a decision. Uh, we, we've got a choice of what authors we read, what what uh, podcasts we we download, what TV shows we watch, uh, what ministries we support financially, right? So, so the question is, how do you decide uh, who to follow? And I think often in Christian circles, we ask, we make these decisions in the wrong way. We, we ask these questions like, well, well how, what's the size of the ministry? How big's the church? How many books have they written? How well known are they? Uh, how handsome are they on, or beautiful are they on TV? How funny are they? None of these are a bad thing. How much charisma do they have? Just, these aren't necessarily bad things, but it's not the way you should decide who you look to for leadership. Right? There's other things. So, uh, so Jesus is going to highlight for us three things that we need to watch for in spiritual leadership. They're not the only, the only things, but they're important things. Um, and the reason this is so important, again, is because, catch this, I, I don't want to, like, I, I want to overemphasize, like, catch this, that when you put some yourself under someone's leadership, you become like the person you follow. Are, are you with in this? You tend to become, like, like for example, if you, uh, under, if you go to a church and there's an angry pastor, chances are you're going to get angrier. It's just the way it is. You know, you, you're at work and you're under a domineering boss. Chances are you're going to tend to be more domineering when you come into place of leadership. It's just the way it works. So, so uh, early on when Jesus was teaching in Matthew 23, the longer passage, I love this there in your note sheet. Uh, it says. Uh, some of you already flipped ahead. I heard you. Uh, <laughs> woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Remember, that, you called them that six times. Uh, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. You can understand why after this monologue, uh, they decided we need to get rid of him, and it's fast. Like, and within 48 hours, he's gone. Because he's undercutting their uh, leadership. And so, but catch the principle. He says, you go out and you recruit people to your cause. You go over land and sea, recruit a convert, and once he's become a convert, you make him twice as bad as you are. We become like the people we follow, And so we need to choose carefully. Okay, so, so there in your note sheet, there, there's a section It's called Spiritual Leadership 3 Warning Signs. And let me say this before we jump in, is that obviously when we're looking at human leaders, like no one's perfect, right? Everyone's got a feet of clay. You see this even in the New Testament. The Apostle Peter has to be called out in public by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has a major falling out with a John Mark, who may be the, the, the writer of this gospel, and, and they won't even work together, was so sharp. I mean, so you see this, like no one's perfect, but what we're really looking for, we talk about what to watch for in leaders, we want to watch out for glaring weaknesses, okay? In other words, something in that person's life that kind of defines them. It's not like an occasional bad day or something like that, but there's, there is just this, this, like when you think of that person, yeah, this, this is what you think of. And here's what I want you to catch as we jump in here, a couple things over my lifetime, I've found that Christians are way more intuitive than they often give themselves credit. And so often what happens when we're positioned where something kind of looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, you know, like a smell And it's like, we, we go like, I don't think it's a duck, but inside, you know, inside the Holy Spirit's warning, there's something wrong here. And often as Christians, we ignore that when Jesus says, no, you need to pay attention. That's a warning light. Let's lift the lid, see if there's anything to it or not. Don't jump to conclusions, but let's check it out. Uh, and so what I want to do in this final section is I want to put on what I call my dad hat. Like, like often when I'm in counseling situations or I'm in a leadership role, uh, sometimes even when I'm counseling someone, I say, hey, would it, like, I know we're not that different age and whatever, but, but would it, do I have your permission to put on my dad hat? I want to speak into your life like a father, like I want to come like like if I were talking to my daughters. So so what I want to do right now is put on my dad hat, like I'm talking to my own daughters, who are like grown women, right? Own families. But like, if, if, hey, dad, what do I look for in a church? Or how do I, how do I prevent getting burned uh, spiritually? Or what would you, you what you've seen? What have you, I just want to put on my dad hat if I could, right? And so we're going we're gonna to go to three things that Jesus highlights here to watch for. And what I want to do is I want to give you, first of all, the warning. Here's the warning sign to watch for. And then here's the positive character or trait. And we'll put it in parentheses. It's sort of the opposite. So you can, here's the warning sign. Here's the positive, right? So, so the first one, the first warning sign is a big ego, and the, the thing, the positive would be humility. And this is what Jesus starts off with. Uh, look at Mark uh, chapter 12 in verse 38. In Mark chapter 12 in verse uh, 38, it says, uh, Jesus said, watch out for teachers of the law they like to walk around in flowing ropes. They like to be greeted in the marketplace. And not just say like, hi, rabbi, but it's, you know, with the, the appropriate titles. Like in other passages, Jesus talks about, they love to be called rabbi or father or kind of these appropriate kind of high or kind of a very high level uh, titles. Like what you call them is very important to them. Uh, what they wear is very important. Their position's very important. Where they sit at the table at the banquet's very important. Where they sit, and, are, are you with me here? There's a sense of ego. There's a sense of pedestal. There's a sense like, I want to be separate from the people. I, I want to be different. I want to be distinct. I, I want people to kind of bow down. I want them to, in a sense, worship. They would never say that. So he says, uh, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes, be greeted in the marketplace, have the most important seats in the synagogues, the places of honor at banquets. So Jesus is going to watch out for this. Now, the opposite side of this would be what to look for is humility. And this is something you see in Jesus as the ultimate leader. Jesus was an incredibly strong leader, wasn't he? We've seen this today. Hey, you're hypocrites. He's right, just calling them out, bold, strong. You know, when you were with Jesus and his disciples, there was never any question who was in charge. Peter tried to do that one time, remember? I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus, this whole cross thing. Uh, get behind me, Satan. I, like when Jesus was, there's never a question who is in charge. So when we talk about strong, healthy leadership, we're not talking about weak leadership. We're not talking about a lack of confidence, a lack of vision, a lack of convictions, a lack of courage. But what we're saying is that there's a humility there. There's an approachability. There's an ability to learn from others. There's an ability to admit when we're wrong. And so Jesus models this. He models this approachability, this humility. And in Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and uh, in context with all the religious rules and things of the rabbis, he said, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And in context, in that day, the rabbis, when they, when they, they would accept a disciple uh, to become one of their students, that was, it was referred to as taking the yoke of the rabbi. And so he says, take my yoke. And I coming to my leadership upon you and learn from me, for I am what? gentle circle that and I'm humble in heart and so what you see in Jesus it doesn't matter where you're coming from or where you're at in society or how much money you have or whatever you could be the poorest sickest person and Jesus is going to make time for you there's an approachability there's a gentleness there and so again we're not talking about a weakness he was very strong leader uh, but there is a humility now let me say this that this is one that in Christian circles we tend to ignore to our destruction. That often what happens in Christian, you know what often when we tend to assume if someone's in ministry, if someone's leading a worship department, if someone is the head of a, 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 a outreach mission, uh, if someone is a life group leader, if someone's in, el- we tend to assume that they're in it for the right reasons. And I want you to catch this, often they were when they started. There's some people that are bad from the start, but there are many people who go into leadership that at the beginning they have the highest of motives, the highest of intentions. But what happens is the temptation of leadership causes them to fall. And they make a compromise here, a compromise and integrity there, a lie here, a a, a lack of integrity there. And all of a sudden they they end up a place far from home. And they're like, most of all confused how they got there. And so, so what happens in Christian circles is often these warning lights are on the dashboard of our life flashing. There's something wrong here. There's an ego here. Like we find out that this leader is, Hey, in public, they're one way, but in private, there's something else. We find out that on their staff or on their team, they're very domineering. It's my way or the highway. They're prima donna. Uh, they, they're not living what they teach on the weekend is not being lived out during the week. And here's what often happens with a Christian organization: it's parish. We tend to overlook it and excuse it instead of what Jesus said: "Watch out." And we t- because we tend to assume, and sometimes these leaders will make it worse because if we even try to challenge or hold accountable in any way, they'll be the first to say, who are you to challenge me? I've been to seminary. I've been to this. I've done this. Look how God's blessing the ministry. And many times, you know, in the Old Testament, God spoke through an ass. Remember that? <laughs> right? He spoke through the donkey in Balaam. Like, God can draw straight lines with crooked sticks. Amen. Right? And so sometimes we're looking like, well, how could they be wrong? Look at how many books they've written. How could they be wrong? Look at how big the church is. Look how God's using. And we ignore the warning lights. And then later on, it comes out, and there's a major fall, and we're brokenhearted because we put our faith in that leader instead of Jesus. And all along, we're ignoring what Jesus told us. This is something to watch for. And so, uh, and so the first warning light is big ego. Second warning light is greed. And uh, the, the, the opposite is contentment. And so Jesus says, hey, this is something to watch for. Is that whatever you deal with spiritual, religious life, money is involved. And lots of times, lots of money. And so one of the temptations for people in leadership is to abuse their role of leader and to compromise in the area of finances. To begin to use ministry finances for personal use, uh, to begin to be in it for the money, uh, to begin to compromise their teaching so the church will get bigger, so that more money will come, or whatever the the thing is. And so and this is nothing new. This has always been. Do you know in Jesus' day, some of the wealthiest people in all of the nation were the priests. And the reason is they were the one running the temple. They were the run in charge the money lenders or the money changers. They were the charge of sacrifice. So they had this constant income flow that they were skimming off. And so the high priests I mean, they lived in huge uh, estates and they were some of the richest people of their day, Right? So they live like kings. And Jesus says, hey, you see this in their their lives. In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 12 and verse 40, second thing he highlights, he says, uh, he says, they devour widows' houses. Now we don't know for sure what Jesus is talking about. We don't have enough historical information. I'm sure it was clear at the time. We have some theories. But we know in general what he's saying. He's saying that they're taking their position of spiritual leadership. And they're using it to abuse people financially and to profit illicitly from that ministry. Um, And later in the New Testament, the apostle Paul warns Timothy about this. Nothing new about this. He says, hey, these teachers you're dealing with, they're in Ephesus, there's some false teachers. They're in it for the money. They're not in it for God, they're in it for the money. Um, And so there in your note sheet, he puts it like this. He says, these people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. They've turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Amen. Right? And so there's people in it. For, like, if you want to make money, one of the ways to do it is through religion. Right? It's one of the ways to do it. So he uh, says, just watch this and notice what he says next. Yet true godliness, not really pursuing God, with contentment is itself a great wealth. And so, so when you're around any organization or church or leaders, you just sense it's all about the money. They're into their stuff. And, and you know, we all know this, right? I can think of people in my neighborhood. I, I don't even hardly know them, but I know it's about the money. I can just tell by what I'm seeing it happen, right? You can, you can tell this, you can sense this when you're around someone that it's about money. And you can, help sense, you can ha- often tell us in spiritual circles too. And the thing is, we just ignore it. We often ignore the warning signs. And so, um, like if I were putting my dad hat on for my kids and they say, I'm thinking about going to this church, one of the things I'd say is, hey, find out about the finances. Who sets the pastor's salary? The pastor sets his own salary, that's a problem. Right? There needs to be accountability uh, for that. Uh, are there financial, uh, generally accepted accounting principles for the way finances are handled? Uh, how often do they have an audit? Is there a mixture? Is there, is there something going lavish on So so many times we will look at a ministry and you think of, you know, a lot of things on TV are like this. Like all these people giving money because all these stories of how God's using, and yet the stories come out, this incredibly lavish lifestyle. And it goes, well, but God's using them, It must be right. And Jesus says, hey, watch out. It's a warning light. Like don't jump to conclusions. Maybe maybe the guy on TV, maybe it's, it's not... He's not living. It's like he's got a million successful books, and there's, there's he's making money in very legitimate ways. It's fine, you know. But but just, but hey, pull up, the, pull up the hood. Just check. And then number three, and I, for me, it's one of the most important. Is is uh, the third warning light is hypocrisy. And the thing to look for is integrity. And so uh, in, in hypocrisy is about pretending to be something that we're not. It's about uh, saying one thing and doing another. And it's really interesting because in the Matthew 23 passage, this is how Jesus starts his, uh, his teaching. He says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. And Moses' seat was actually a stone seat at the, t- the head of a synagogue or whatever. Was the, you, you would sit when you were teaching from the law of Moses. And so he says, they, they sit in that Moses' seat. And so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. In other words, when they're opening the word of God and teaching the word of God, that's what the word of God says. You need to obey what they're they're teaching, right? Like you don't look at their lives, you look at the word. He says, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. There's not an alignment. One of the ways I ask this question of myself and other leaders is, are you living the life you're calling others to live? And so is is there alignment there? Uh, is there a genuineness there? Is there an authenticity there? Um, in Mark 12, uh, Jesus puts it like this. In Mark 12, verse 40, this is the last thing he highlights. He says, they devour widows' houses. We just talked about that. And for a show, they make lengthy prayers. So what is he saying? He's saying that when they are praying, it's really they're not really talking to God. They're really talking to people. And so what they're doing is they're praying in such a way that everyone will say, man, that's amazing. I could never pray like that. That's incredible. But the whole reason they're doing it is to have their stock go up so that they have more power. And then once they have that power, they're going to use it for their own purposes, you see? And so Jesus kind of warns us about that. And so, you know, questions I like to ask when I'm looking at a leader is, is this person the same person in public as in private? Is, is what they're teaching on the weekend, or in their books, or on their podcast, uh, is that the same thing they're living out during the week? If I were to go to the organization and talk to their team, do they see those qualities being lived out during the week, or is that just for weekend? Um, and so, so Jesus comes to us today, and he says, hey, listen, let's talk about leadership. On the one side... The question is, hey, here, the purpose of leadership is for those you are leading. So for all of us here, for many of us, this will be the most practical takeaway today. The practical takeaway would be, hey, if you're a husband, if you're a parent, if you're a supervisor, you own a business, you run a little league team, you're a school team, are you leading well? But then for all of us, as we look to the leaders we follow, the question is, Are they living the life they're calling others to to live? Are they people of humility? Are they people of integrity? Are they people of contentment? Because the danger is that we tend to become like the people we follow. Amen. Amen? Amen, let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful to be here today and to be pursuing you together. And Lord, we realize that what's at stake in this is not just about us, it's not just about our lives or our family, our business, it's really about the sake, the, the, for the sake of the, your name, and the sake of the world, that, that as we lead well, whether it's in families, in marriages, in culture, that, that it creates an environment that draws people to you. It's an alternate lifestyle that really is compelling, a lifestyle of love and service rather than, than personal advancement. And Lord, so we we pray for the sake of the world. For the sake of the world, we pray that you would transform us into people who are leading well. Give us wisdom of those who we follow that we might be transformed to be like you and thrive that others would come to know you. And we pray, Lord, as we bring our offerings today, pray you use them to create a place where people can come to know you. We pray it in Christ's name, Amen. amen. Let's stand together the Lord be with you this week, and whether you're here, uh, whether uh, in our large auditorium or over in the summit, I just want to remind you that after every service, that we always have an opportunity for prayer, down to my right, down here, uh, in the, uh, our prayer corner, our prayer connection, so I encourage you to come on down there. Hope you can join us uh, next week uh, as we continue. Uh, Mark's going to bring an account next week that happens uh, right after this one where um, he gets to show us, like, like here's who not to be, these, these leaders of Israel. Here's who not to be. And, and next week, we're going to see an example, a model of what we would call here at Rocky Peak, a passionate Christ follower. We're going to see him, it's being kind of the most unlikely candidate where Jesus is going to stop and say, hey, hey you want to know what it looks like to follow me? Like, here it is. And it's just an amazing story. And so I'm looking forward to being with you next week. Until then, uh, may the Lord be with you. May he raise your leadership lid in your life. Uh, May you become a leader more like Jesus this week. May you love your wives well. May you love your kids. May you lead in the marketplace uh, with the ethic of Jesus, seeking the other's best, creating teams that thrive and achieve at the highest levels. Uh, If you're out in the community, serve them as you're serving Christ himself, that together for the sake of the world, uh, we can unleash a movement. Amen? Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.